I'm someone who loves trying out different makeup looks, but doesn't really wear much on a daily basis, so I like to focus on making sure I have high quality staples. And whether you like a fresh face, full glam, or somewhere in between, you've probably seen Thrive Cosmetics Viral Tubing Mascara. I've certainly seen it everywhere, you know the one in the turquoise tube? So that mascara, along with all of Thrive Cosmetics beauty products, are certified 100% vegan and cruelty-free, which I look for in makeup, and they've got excellent quality to match. And something I didn't know from all the mascara videos I've seen is that for every product sold, Thrive Cosmetics donates either that same product, another product that is needed more, or a monetary donation. They've worked with over 500 nonprofits to help with a wide range of causes like supporting cancer survivors, people experiencing homelessness, education access, and so much more. Knowing that makes me feel even better about using their products. And I do enjoy using them. Like I said, I like having high quality staples, and so my favorites are products that are multi-purpose, like the Brilliant Eye Brightener. It comes in a bunch of colors, and I like using them as eyeliner, eyeshadow, and even highlighter. Thrive Cosmetics is luxury beauty that gives back. Right now, you can get an exclusive 20% off your first order at thrivecosmetics.com thrive. That's Thrive Cosmetics, C-A-U-S-E-M-E-T-I-C-S, dot com slash thrive for 20% off your first order. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the must not take yourself too seriously and 6-1 since that matters and what do I even say other than hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all new Bumble with exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better and dating safer. They've changed. So you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. For both of you, are you people who are like, never go to bed angry? Or is it yeah. sometimes like, I don't want to argue until 4am? Oh, no. I'm like, we fight till dawn! I <laughs> know, <laughs> <laughs> oh, Melody, no! I'm ducking out, you're ducking out. Let's duck out together. See what it's all Hi, and welcome to Diking Out, a podcast that, unlike Tom Hanks, recognizes a lesbian wedding when we see one. I'm Carolyn Bergier. I'm Melody Kamali, and today we're diking out with comedian Madeline Smith about couples therapy. And also, what are you talking about, Carolyn? There was an article where Tom Hanks was at a beach and there was a wedding going on and he popped in to tell, uh, I guess, just one of the brides how beautiful they were, but it was a lesbian wedding and he asked, where's the groom? And then was delighted to find out it was a lesbian wedding. But at the same time, I'm sure that both brides were in plain sight and it just didn't register um, because the, the heteros still don't know that we we're just like them. We're getting married. We're having families. We're getting divorced. We're doing it all. Rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. If you haven't already, five stars, a little comment, compliment. If you're nasty. And boy, did we have a nasty review. (gasps) Stop it. (laughs) No, like, 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 like from a freak. Um, Oh, oh, it's like the review is five stars, which thank you so much. And then it's just like a phone number. And it's like, text me. I need to squirt. 
and it's like <laughs> wet emoji, like the water drip emojis. <laughs> oh my gosh. So, you know. Wow, what a roller coaster of emotions look up that, that just was for me. If you're local to that phone number in our Apple podcast reviews. If you need to hydrate. <laughs> so funny. I love it. I love it. Okay, we are back at Stonewall. We're having a show at Stonewall on November 29th at 7 p.m. Emma Willman's going to be headlining. We're going to have a great lineup. It's going to be a lot of fun. So just stay glued to our Instagram for when we post about having tickets there. Also sign up for our Patreon. If you are a patron uh, at the $5 level a month, you are getting a extra episode every single week. At $10, you join our Facebook group where we talk about all sorts of current events. We share our auto straddle quiz results and <laughs> so much more. And we're sharing our gayest things. I love that. Everyone's yes, sharing yes. their Communal gayest things. Gayest things. Uh, love the community over there. That's where we get to know you better. Uh, $15 a month, you get ad-free episodes. We're following you back on social media. Uh, $20 a month, you get to come to our live shows for free. And then you also uh, get to hang out with us on Zoom every other month. And it's always a really, really fun time. And that's where we really let loose with the goss and... Oh, yeah. And hopefully nobody's recording their screen. Anyway, Melody, what's the gayest thing you did this week? What is the gayest thing I did? I was it binging all of Jojo Siwa's Dancing with the Stars dances. Have you seen any of this yet? No. Why? What prompted it? Just her being great? A Gawker article. Gawker's back, by the way. It's like, wow. Right. So everything from the aughts is coming back, I guess. Sure. I mean. <laughs> Why not? What is time? So I saw this Gawker article that reviewed them doing the Foxtrot to look at me. I'm Sandra D. I heard they got a 10 out of 10. I said, I want to see what a 10 out of 10 lesbian ballroom dance looks like. From there, I, I was binging it all. They're so fucking good. Like, okay, now I'm going to watch into it. Love it. Even this freaky like it dance they did where Jojo is Pennywise (gasps) and her dance partner's a little boy. I mean, it is so good. I want to see that. And I think that one was also a perfect 10. I had goosebumps. I watched them all. I, I want more Jojo Siwa. I didn't know anything about Jojo Siwa until the announcement that she had a girlfriend and that she came out. And now I'm obsessed. I also got to see her with her hair down. That felt cool. I I don't know. I'm like, yeah, I love this look. More of that. I think the bows and the really tight ponies were throwing me off. Right. But like she is a boss. She's she's really good. I don't I'm really into it. And then I saw that there's a lot of discourse that her and her girlfriend broke up because it happens speculation that she has too much like sexual tension with her dance partner, who's, I think, straight and a lot older than her okay, (laughs) and partnered with a man. So, well, you never know. I don't know what that's about, but holy shit. Binging Jojo Siwa. Would be my gayest thing if I didn't that go to FranCon. Yeah. Right. We yeah, went to FranCon. Fran I was at FranCon. Yeah, we went to FranCon. Um, FranCon is like SantaCon, but you dress up like Fran Leibovitz, and boy, <laughs> did we. I, on the way down, saw different Frans on the train, and I wasn't sure if they were just 
like lesbians in the wild right. or if they were planning on going to FranCon. And I did see some of them there. And then some yes. of them I did not. It was very hard <laughs> to tell who was just a Brooklyn Dyke and who was going to FranCon. Right. I felt like a professional lesbian. Yeah. We had our glasses. <laughs> Which I was called earlier in the week. So I, I'm like, now I have the outfit to go. Yeah. The glasses, the Oxford shirt, the blazers. Candy cigarettes. Puff links, boots, rolled up jeans. Yes. I loved it. It yeah. was so funny. <laughs> yeah. It was really... I, it was such a good idea. I don't know. I wouldn't have known about it if I didn't follow the bar that was hosting it because friend of the show, Lindsay Bowling, has a monthly comedy show there, Blinkies Bar in Williamsburg, and saw they had posted about it. Thank God I follow Blinkies. I feel like we really helped amplify it. (laughs) Right. Well, because I kept posting about it. I learned about it from you. And then everybody, whenever I put it in my stories, would respond and be like, oh, my gosh, that's amazing. But then people didn't go. Maybe they felt too intimidated, you know, to be like, oh, you have to dress like this daikon. And yeah, that that could be a lot. But everybody was having a fun time with it. And I'll go again next year. I'll be up for FranCon. Yeah. But then that got me thinking. I want a different kind of FranCon in addition to this FranCon. I want Fran DresherCon. You missed the convo, Melody, because we were sitting outside and another Fran what? was saying that they wanted Fran uh, Fran DresherCon. I'm like, maybe every year it's a different Fran. And I also said, then you can give out the award Best Dreshed. Okay. Yeah, clearly I missed the conversation. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I was thinking I had an original thought, but... Um, but it's also a great idea, so... It would be so much fun. There's a market for it, especially in New York. So much more opportunity for a variety of variety. looks. Variety, yes. I love it. Let's do it. All right. Love it. <laughs> Carolyn, what's the gayest thing you did? I know you have a list. Yeah. You had a, very, you had a pretty homo week. It is so gay, and I know that Orlando was really gay, but that was mostly centered around one thing. This is, I just kept doing gay things, and gay things kept happening. I can't mention them all, so I'm going to list them. You tell me which one's the gayest. Okay. So since we last recorded, I went to New Fest, which is the LGBTQ uh, plus film festival that's held every year. And I went to see the Dyke Drama Shorts with my friend, past guest comedian, Veronica Garza. So we went to go see, um, a, you know, a bunch of sh- shorts that featured dykes, as it sounds. And... Uh, I do want to shout them out because they were really great. So the shorts were Girls in the Party, Car Therapy, Uncoupling, uh, Amy Victoria, Duet, Nor and Layla, First Date, and I'm sorry to say it, my favorite, uh, Plaisir, which is a French short uh, directed by Molly Gillis, I want to say is how to say her name. I loved it so much. I'm such a sucker for anything French and for anything gay. So combine the the two. I wish it was a full length movie. It was uh, just joy. I loved it so much. So uh, any of those, seek them out. I don't know uh, where they can be watched or look for a, a festival in your area or something. But I love to support and promote queer cinema. So went to the after party, run into past guests. Valerie Complex, who, you know, is is killing it with being a film critic and always love running into Valerie, then left, 
Who do I see on the street? Sarah fucking Ramirez clocked them right away. It was dark. It was midnight in Manhattan. But the the hair, the eyes, but even with a mask right away, I'm like, oh, my God. And I almost like I had a thought. Do I ask them to dike out? But then I'm like, no, 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 no. Be cool. <laughs> Be cool. Yeah. They were with someone. If they were alone, maybe <laughs> I would have done it. But they were they were with somebody else. So I didn't want to do that. Then what else happened? I went to a burlesque show featuring Honey Burlesque, a queer burlesque troupe here in New York. Was I motivated by last week's guest, Ivy? Maybe there's burlesque that goes on. But it's a different kind of burlesque than... Uh, I'm used to it's a lot more like interactive like in the crowd it felt like being at a strip club without nudity but close to nudity uh, in a space full of mostly uh, queer women and um, non-binary folks and we're just showering these dancers with singles the whole time but like in a very like a fun way but it all felt like polite and queer I don't know I loved it I'm going back this Sunday what else? I went back to Stonewall to go to the Freakout Cabaret put on by uh, DJ Chauncey. So it was all sorts of performances. And I went to that with past guests, just Rothschild. I went to FranCon. And after FranCon, I went to the woods, which I haven't been to the woods. The lesbian night at the woods haven't been there in a while. And it was packed. Packed, and I ran into some cool folks who used to work and some still do at Henrietta Hudson. So ran into listeners. I don't know, just gay, 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 gay. Okay, that's not even all of it, but yeah, I'm leaving it there. New Fest, New Fest, the New Fest night because that all just that night. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was very gay night. You got the after party. You got Sarah. Yeah. I'm glad we figured it out. (laughs) Good. We called it. That was the gayest thing I did this week. I know. I posted a picture on my Instagram stories of some wood I chopped and everyone was replying, oh, the gayest thing you did this week. I'm like, no, 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 no. (laughs) Yeah. Carolyn actually had a longer list here on our doc and I made her (laughs) chop some of those things off because I'm sick of her showing me up week after week. I need to get back out there. Had queer friends from out of town staying with us. Everything. Shut everything up. was gay. It was all gay. <laughs> it was all gay. Okay. Yeah. Speaking of gay. What's gayer than? Couples no. therapy. <laughs> our topic for this week. Yeah. yeah. Are our relationships not in themselves just one long couples therapy session? Maybe. We're going to get into it because today we're diking out with comedian Madeline Smith. And Madeline regularly performs all over the countries in clubs and festivals, on the road, has opened for so many amazing comedians, including past guests uh, of the pod and comedy legend Judy Gold. Also co-hosts a podcast called Cheers for Queers. Love it. Let's get to it. Madeline fellow Western New Yorker. Thank you for diking out with us today. How are you? Hello. How are you? Hi. (laughs) Is that how you say it? How are you? Yeah, it's like, I don't know. It's weird. When I moved down to the city, people were like, oh, you have such an accent. And I never thought I did. But now I'm (laughs) like, I guess I, I guess it's a Rochester, like a flat A that's happening. Say the word fashion. Fashion? Yeah, say it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, fashion. Is that, is that, people always think I'm from the Midwest, and I'm like, no, I'm just from, like, Canada. Same. Like, basically Canada. Yeah. 
and I didn't realize that too. Yeah, I didn't realize it until I moved down south and I got my first job after college. I was living in Atlanta and I was making phone calls and everybody that I would call would be like, where in the Midwest are you from? I'm like, oh no, I'm not from the Midwest. I'm from Buffalo. (laughs) How dare you? I'm from Buffalo. I just thought- I metropolis of (laughs) Buffalo. (laughs) It's the Queen City, okay? (laughs) Show some respect. I think we're all taught in Buffalo when we live there that Buffalo is a neutral accent and that couldn't be further from the truth. Yeah. No, you're so right. Well, I'm actually... Who lied to us? I'm why, from, why tell us that? I'm from Rochester, which is essentially right. Buffalo. So, yeah. But worse. Yeah. yeah, it's Buffalo, but worse. That's, yeah, pretty much. I feel like the only thing I will say, though, is the Rochester comedy scene, I did like a lot better than the Buffalo comedy scene because the Buffalo comedy okay. scene was all... Like, I mean, I only did comedy for like five years at Rochester before moving to the city. But like the Buffalo scene was straight up all like blue collar dudes just being like my wife and like they all wanted to, <laughs> they all wanted to fucking kill their wives that was like their bit was that they wanted to murder their wives so like, oh wow yeah wow. <laughs> and rochester was more like just uh, equally bad dudes but like hipster version of that you know yeah so they're just doing bits about the fast ferry and garbage plates <laughs> yeah. and they want to drown their wives in an ipa <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. Just like d- dress like lesbians, but still wanting to kill their wives. It was just very like, <laughs> just a step in the right direction. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Exactly. But no hate to Buffalo. Buffalo is great. I love it. Helium's there. Except for the guy, right. the guy who runs it now. I think he's pretty suspicious, but <laughs> yeah. yeah. That's what we heard. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Who is it? Who isn't? isn't? What comedy club with uh, those chromosomes? Yeah. (laughs) I know we just before we recorded, we were talking about another comedy club manager and Booker who they're all predators, which is so great. Yeah. What a time to be alive doing comedy as a woman. Love it. Yeah. Love it. (laughs) That's why we like to just convene in safe spaces like Diking Out Podcast. Where we get to talk about how gay we are, gay things we do, which is why we're wondering, what is the gayest thing you did this week? Well, thank you for asking. I feel like I've been listening to your podcast so religiously for so long that I was like, I need to prepare myself for when one day I'm asked this question. And then I like... (laughs) Well... I'm glad you prepared yourself because we're really bad at preparing people for this. Every week, we're like, we should have given them a heads up yeah. in case they don't listen. That they're gonna, you know what? Though? One day we will. You guys know, obviously, because you guys are comics and you've done a lot of podcasts, but it's so like awkward when you're doing someone's podcast and you truly have never listened to it and you didn't even know that they had a podcast. And then you're like, oh, yeah, I know the format of this. And you're like, I have no idea. So like, right. Yeah. <laughs> You get it. So I'm glad that with yours, I actually know. Um, so sorry, the gayest thing I did. Well, I had to get a, a procedure, like a medical procedure done. And my girlfriend drove through the torrential downpour. And then we got there and I got it done. And then I woke up and I was all out of my mind on anesthesia. And they were not supposed to let the person who dropped you off. They're not supposed to come back to the room. But I was like, where's Colleen? So I was literally like weeping. And the nurse went and got her for me. So that was me being like the neediest gay in the world. Oh. <laughs> just weeping weeping for your lover which i think is the gay thing for your gay lover in recovery 
I think that's the gayest thing you could do probably is just be fully weeping. So the nurse is like, well, for you, I'll make an exception because you're being very sad and aggressive. So I, I was just going to add on to it, even though I don't even know what the procedure is while you're letting the gas out of your body. Cause I feel like a lot of procedures, yeah. they like pump you full of gas depending on what it is. Yeah. And then you're in that recovery room and then like everyone around you is farting and you're just like, that was exactly it. It was like a stomach right. procedure. And there was like okay, an yeah. old man was like just right across the screen, like farting next right. to me. So. Yeah. It's always oh. the old man that does not give two shits literally um, about the noises <laughs> that he's making. Rip. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yep. That was it. That was exactly what was happening. You you nailed it. You nailed it. Great. <laughs> well, you know, I'm glad that she was there to provide that support for you. So yes. we've covered off. You used to live in Rochester. You're in New York now doing comedy. What else before we get into our topic of couples therapy? Oh, my God. Uh, do you want our listeners to know about you? Oh, man, I don't know. I'm so excited to do your guys podcast. Colleen was really excited about it because she was like, oh, this means you finally made it now. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, we had Rosie and then we were working our way up to you. We're like, we need to get we got to get that under our belt. Some impressive people first. Exactly. Before Madeline agrees to dike out with us. (laughs) Like Rosie O'Donnell, then Madeline Smith, the real creme de la creme. Yeah. Yeah. Listen, I know you had Kristen Becker, the fucking gayest person in the world, as you said. So right. <laughs> <laughs> that was pretty much it. I don't know, man. I, I love your guys' podcast. I'm excited. She was jazzed up about it because of Mara Wilson, actually. That was her introduction oh. to the podcast was Matilda. Okay. Matilda. Yes, <laughs> so yes. She was very excited about that. Um, I don't know. What else do people need to know? I used to be married to a man, but then was too gay to be married to a man. And now I've been in a relationship with a lady for two and a half years so that's the whole backstory (laughs) but you were but the backstory is you were in a relationship with her while you were married yes it was a polyamory sitch I was wondering that because I remember being on a show with you I think like just before the pandemic yeah and you were talking about that in your material is wondering if that was the same woman it is I know that's so scandalous isn't it because it's like the (laughs) other the other woman situation I know (laughs) but it's not it's not like I think that polyamory I don't know I don't think that it's like a bad thing and I think some people who I know who do it are really good at it but I think for me maybe I was subconsciously just doing it because I was like oh I'm like gay and you know what I mean like I don't think I had right. a, I don't think <laughs> my uh but my my husband who I was with is actually like the nicest person in the world and you know is is like you know we were together for super long and he's like my very best friend but just you know not not the right one for that situation so so yeah right right did you get to explore your queerness before getting into this long-term relationship or did that happen with the polyamory? Yes, that is a very good question. I did. Um, I because my uh, my husband and I, when we were just dating, we were always in an open relationship and stuff. And okay. um, and when I was in college, I that was when I slept with a lot of women. But then they were all like. A lot of them are really weird. I was just talking with my friend last night about this, but a lot of them were really weird after it. And we're like, oh yeah, I'm straight. I was just like really drunk. And like, so that's never a good feeling, you know, when like no. 10 people yeah. say that to you. <laughs> like, oh, wait, no. wait, which college was this? SUNY Fredonia, baby. 
<laughs> SUNY Fredonia. Oh my gosh. I wonder if any of them were my friends. Maybe. <laughs> my very straight friends. <laughs> who I could only imagine doing that when they're drunk. <laughs> it was a lot of like, it was like a lot of like theater majors and like, you know, it was very. Then they're definitely gay. Right? Or queer. Right? Rugby players. Theater kids, come on. No, you know what's weird is I felt like when I was sleeping, when I first started sleeping with women, I seemed to mainly sleep with women who were like bi curious or questioning and I felt like the okay. rugby players were more like we're established lesbians yeah no they know yeah, yeah. <laughs> and they were like we're not gonna fuck with you because like I, I I don't know if it was like a biphobia thing or if it was just like no you're not in our but I felt like I wasn't in the lesbian like click in college quite yeah. so much they're scary. Yeah. When you're in college, the lesbian cliques, like, even though I was very much a, like, capital L lesbian, I was too scared to even try to actually penetrate the clique and be friends. They're just... It's, it's scary. They're very intense. They're very, like... And I think, you know, obviously now I'm 31 and it's like different, but I feel like when I was in college, especially when I was like early years of college, that was still a time where it was like very... I don't know. There was like so much difference between being like a lesbian and being bi. For some reason, there seemed to be a lot of like weird dislike between the communities or like biphobia or something. So it was just like odd. Like I felt like I I would have liked to hook up with uh, lesbians, but they were not very interested in me. So yeah. <laughs> so yeah, it was just a weird time. I always wonder if that's something that has actually gotten better over the years, or if it's just a thing that when you're that age and you're late teens, early 20s, that there is a ton of biphobia. And then with more life experience, people realize that that's like really stupid uh, and that you shouldn't be. But I I do think it is because everything's more of a gray area, more of a spectrum now. I'd like to think it's better overall. But because for me, it did follow that trajectory of like biphobic in my late teens and early 20s. And then being like, what the fuck? Like, that's so stupid. And now so I don't know if it's like actually better if I'm just a better person now. (laughs) (laughs) That's a good point. That's really that's because I feel like for myself, like, I even found when I first started dating women that I I didn't think that I was biphobic, but I found like on the apps and stuff, I would be more likely to swipe on women who, you know, like on her, how it says like lesbian or bisexual, I'd be more likely to swipe on women who were lesbians. And I was like, I don't know why I'm doing this. This is like very invalidating. And I I (laughs) identified as a bisexual for like 14 years. And now I'm like, no, no, no. Like it's, it's dumb. (laughs) It's such bullshit. Like I, it's really, it's really so it's really so othering, but I don't know what it is. Maybe it's just like, maybe you're afraid that they're going to like leave you for, maybe you feel like there's too much competition or something. I don't know. It's bullshit. (laughs) It's dumb. (laughs) So we could do a whole other episode on biphobia. We've done it before. Uh, There's just so much, unfortunately, to go around, but we're talking about couples therapy. So when did you first ever go to couples therapy? Um, when I was married, my, my husband and I went and then it was like the person that we went to see was a really good therapist. Like he was awesome. I really liked him. It was just like the problems weren't really about like that. It was more about like sexuality, obviously. So that didn't really help in the end, but it did help with like 
talking things through because I, I felt like that he and I actually always got along really well. But then when we moved to New York, there was just like so much stress, like a lot of like financial stress, you know, because you're like, we can't afford to like live here because it's so expensive. Right. Um, who can? And who can? And uh, so couples therapy helped with that. And now I'm doing it again. <laughs> so I'm just... Oh, nice. Yes. Constantly doing it. Were you both individually in therapy prior to couples therapy or was it anyone's first time in therapy in general? Actually, yeah, we, we both had gone to therapy individually, like when we lived in Rochester and then when we moved to the city, we like didn't really prioritize it, which was also probably why we were like going insane. Um, but we both had had experience with it. So I think that that helped to make it not so intense when we first started. Yeah. Allie and I want to get couples therapy, but I'm currently not in therapy. Um, mm. And I feel like I need to <laughs> like at least get some like months of therapy again under my belt before going into couples therapy for some reason. Because you're a competitive Capricorn. I know. And you, I gotta you be feel good like at it's this. not fair. It's yeah, not. it's not fair. Have the tools, already <laughs> the language, and I can't have that. She's gonna win couples therapy. <laughs> I know. Do you feel like there is um, this thing in therapy where you're like trying to win over the therapist to see things from your side, and you're like, oh, who's this therapist gonna validate me? Or them? <laughs> yes, a hundred percent. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah. What, what's your sign? I'm the same as you guys. I'm Capricorn. In fact, oh. Carolyn, I think that you and I have the same birthday. We're January 1st, right? Do you have January oh, 1st? Fuck out of here. Yeah, I do. Yeah. <laughs> all right. I love it. <laughs> so, okay, so we all need to win at therapy. Yeah. Great. Yeah. Yes. So we all are Capricorns and we all have to be the most aggressive person in the room. So yes, I, yeah. I t- and in fact, the first person that my girlfriend and I were going to see, we saw her like once and it's through better help, you know, cause it's the pandemic. So we're like, okay, we have to do it online. Okay. So through better help, you were able to try a, a couple different counselors and you found one that fit for both of you. That's another thing with finding or with going to couples therapy. It's how do you find the right person yeah. that both people feel comfortable with. Yeah, exactly. And it's hard because I, I feel like with Colleen, like she always tends to like get really, she'll like cry. She'll get very emotional and cry, which is fine. Like that's a fine response. But I feel like that, that it kind of makes me feel like I'm like, Oh, I'm an asshole. Cause she's crying. And I'm like, not, you know, like I'm like being mad and Capricorn, aggressive, Capricorn, right. Yeah. Uh. <laughs> being very angry and being, I'm being very judgmental and being very harsh. I'm like, get your shit together. And she's like crying. So I feel like sometimes couples therapists will like be more sympathetic towards her. Cause she's like, you know, visibly upset and like fully weeping. And they're like, Oh my God, Colleen, are you okay? And I'm like, what about me? And so it <laughs> doesn't go well sometimes. <laughs> yeah. Cause they can't hear our internal screams. We're suffering on the inside. Yes. It's We're just, just not yeah. showing it. Um, exactly. What's her sign? <laughs> uh, Scorpio. It's almost her birthday. So it's Ooh, mm, her birthday, okay. Colleen. Yes. yes. Very, very emotional woman. There's a lot of emotions. There's a lot of complexities. <laughs> it's like very stressful. But, yeah. yeah. <laughs> do you feel like in both situations, do you wish you had gone to couples therapy sooner? Um, no, I not. Well, yes, I guess in marriage, it would have been good because we had been together for like um, a really long time before we went. I think we'd already been together for like eight years or something. So it'd been a long time. Okay. Yeah. 
But with this one, no, because we've only been together about two and a half years. So I feel like if you go before that, it's like, <laughs> might be like, <laughs> something's really wrong. Like there's a problem, <laughs> you know, <laughs> like it's too soon. So, and I honestly don't even know if we would have to go except for that. Like it's, I felt like our relationship went through like a huge crisis because of the pandemic. Cause we were like thrown into right. doing long distance. And then she was having like a professional, just kind of like a professional and personal, like mental health crisis. And like I was having one too. And so it was just, yeah. So I think it was pandemic related probably. So in your last relationship, you were Polly was Colleen Polly. Like, was she seeing other people or were you the only person she was seeing or, and then like now you're monogamous together. Yeah. Now, okay. well, she was, um, she technically was, you know, free to obviously do anything that she wanted, but she wasn't really seeing anyone else. Like, I think when we first started seeing each other for like the first couple months, she went on some dates, but then I don't know. She also was like very busy. She had like a big time corporate job at the time. So it was like very busy with work. And she's like, I don't have time to date, but I don't really know if that was why, or like if there was an yeah. underlying thing. Um, and now we are, uh, we we're technically like still open, but I don't feel like there's really any, anything happening. There's no openness yeah. happening really. So. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. But not open to polyamory anymore, I guess. Not open to serious relationships with other people because I feel like that that is very difficult to do and probably wouldn't work for either one of us in the long run because it's a lot of like, I don't know, it's just very tiring, you know? I That's how I feel about it. Um, as, as somebody who's not polyamorous or wouldn't want to be because it seems like I know the amount of attention and work that it takes for one relationship. And I'm like, how do you do that with two? Yeah. I mean, I guess parents do it with, with kids, but <laughs> yeah, I guess that's the argument. They always say like, Oh, when you have more kids, it's not like you, the first one any less when you have a second one, but I'm like, but you're so much more exhausted, right? Like, yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> see a mom that has just one kid. Yeah. Uh, they still have a little <laughs> bit of pep in their step. But yeah. <laughs> Are you ready to shop? Rakuten's Big Give Week is back. Get 15% back at hundreds of stores, and it's all happening this week, May 6th to May 13th. It's the perfect time to shop for everything on your list for spring and summer, like clothing, outdoor gear, and travel. I know I'm using this week to stock up on some warmer weather essentials at Ray-Ban and Ulta, and I love that Rakuten even helps me save on travel at sites like Hotels.com. Rakuten really is the best way to shop, and you can save even more by stacking cash back on top of deals. Plus, during Big Give Week, that cash back is bigger than ever. With Rakuten, membership is free, and when you sign up and shop today, you get an extra 10% cash back boost. That's an extra 10% cash back on top of the 15% cash back. You won't see higher cash back rates than these. Go to Rakuten.com or download the Rakuten app. R-A-K-U-T-E-N. Shoppers get it. Hey there, it's Rachel Ballinger, and I am thrilled to invite you to Rachel Uncensored, my podcast where I get real with my friends and celebrity guests, where we talk about all sorts of topics. From personal stories to hot button issues, we cover it all. New episodes drop every Wednesday, so make sure you tune in on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Trust me, you won't want to miss out on the fun and candid conversations we have here on Rachel Uncensored. It does seem so draining. I've been putting it off because of that, like, 
few hours after, like I'm dreading or just like that discomfort, like just like tiptoeing around if you have a difficult session or like things were said that, you know, and then the session ends and then what? You're just, especially in lockdown, like, and then Mm -hmm. you're just locked into a tiny apartment with this person creeping around (laughs) like everything you just said. Exactly. I don't know. I'm really nervous about that. That's totally valid. It is scary. Like, I feel like the one that we have coming up today, it's like, I'm not like dreading it, but it is kind of awkward because you're like, you know, we don't live together yet. She just comes and stay. She actually lives in Washington, D.C. with her family right now. So she'll come and stay for like a week, sometimes like two weeks or whatever. She'll stay at my apartment and I'm happy to have her here, but it is a kind of small apartment. And then it's like, okay, you do the therapy and then you're just like closing your computer and just like sitting there. And right. Yeah. (laughs) Super stressful. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. That can definitely add stress to it. Backing up, I've done couples therapy with each significant relationship I've been in. Mm -hmm. The first time was because they cheated on me in the biggest way they had cheated on me uh, up until that point. And they basically said, let's go to to therapy. I want to make this work. And I felt like I didn't really had a choice, but I was also open to it. And I hadn't gone to therapy on my own at that point. But then it was this kind of awkward thing where I felt like it was more just to serve them and not really helping me. And I was just sitting there while they processed being a shitty partner. (laughs) The second time it was with my ex-wife definitely went too late. I think we were already headed in in separate directions, but it was like a last ditch effort and couples therapy is a last ditch effort. I don't think is ever really successful, but it can help bring that ending about and help you talk about the ending, I guess, in a, in a healthy way. Yeah. Uh, and then Cecilia and I tried it right before the pandemic and we went to two sessions and this is what I want to talk about. Like we talk about, everything like when you're in a relationship with a queer one it's just constant talking and processing and just hours long conversations about feelings and then we'd show up to couples therapy and I just felt like we were repeating a great conversation about our feelings that we already had and we were going there because we're like okay this time we're going to do couples therapy right which is going when things are good Mm -hmm. and then just talking through maybe some of the reoccurring challenges that come up but just so when things get really hard you have that therapist there who knows you but then after two times we're like we got this we don't need this what (laughs) she didn't bring up anything we haven't brought up before and we're both like in therapy uh individually so yeah does Sometimes it feel like it's too much processing. Yeah. Well, and also, I mean, honestly, it's kind of... That was so long-winded. Sorry. No, that's <laughs> fine. It's kind of a waste of money to go, like, because it does cost money, obviously. And you're just like... Money, it takes time. Money, yeah. time. It's like, if you if you and Cecilia don't really have issues that you feel like need to be worked out with, like, a mediator-type person, then it's like, yeah, why waste the money and the time, you know? That makes right. sense. Yeah. Yeah. And we recently uh, opened up our relationships and we're doing like ethical non-monogamy. And uh, I talk about this more on the Patreon. Just to remind everybody, I'm not getting into the details too much here. But I know when you said you weren't polyamorous, I was like, but uh, 
babe? What, it's different. Are you going to say it's what different. you are? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you have to yeah. explain it a little bit. But is yeah, it like not right. dating other people exactly? Just like sleeping with other people? Or can you not talk about it? Is it for the Patreon? No, no. I, I, I can talk about it a little bit. It's, it's not like... Yeah. I don't know. It It's still early. So who's to say where it's going? I don't want anybody that I'm calling my girlfriend. I don't want to be like, this is my wife and this is my girlfriend. You know, it's more of uh, polysexual? I think a, a physical thing. Yeah. <laughs> a little sexual, a little polysexual. I like it. I love is that. It polysexual? Well, like, <laughs> yeah, I, I'm open to like repeat partners, but nothing where I'm not getting anyone a gift, you know, they're not <laughs> coming back to that. <laughs> like, don't expect a card on your birthday, I guess, is uh, where, where I'm at right now. So this has dominated a lot of our conversations, a lot of our time. And we've talked about, should we go to couples therapy then to talk about this? Because we're talking about it in individual therapy. But then I'm like, I don't know how much more I can talk about this. This already, I feel like we've already maxed out what I thought was capable in terms of conversations about feelings since we've started this. Yeah. Like I can't imagine just bringing it into even an, another realm of here's, of course. here's a third place for us to talk about this yet again. <laughs> it gets so tiring. And, and sometimes like in relationships, I know this is a huge stereotype, but I have obviously noticed in the past like two years, this is the first time I've been in like a long-term serious relationship with a woman. And it is like, sometimes you're just like, we have talked about this so much. We've like talked, like, I feel like when I was married to a straight man, there just like, wasn't quite that level of like, rehashing and going over and how do you feel? And that's not like a bad thing. Like, I think it's good that women have this like emotional maturity to do that. But sometimes I think the problem is that like neither person knows when to stop. And you're just like, now I'm like just becoming this person who needs to talk about everything all the time. And sometimes it's better to not, (laughs) to not talk about it. like diminishing returns at a certain point, (laughs) I think. Exactly. Exactly. And now, but Melody, I was going to ask, you were saying on a previous podcast, I remember you were saying that you that Allie would not do open relationship, that she doesn't even like when people bring up open relationships, right? Yeah, Allie has deep-seated abandonment issues. When Carolyn and Cecilia opened their marriage, I was afraid to tell Allie because I knew the news of them opening it would trigger her in some way. Like, <laughs> like she's that. Poor Allie. You know, and she's working on that in therapy, and she's, like, relatively new to therapy right now. But yeah, super monogamous. Yeah. But that's cool too. Like whatever works for people, as long as both people are like, as long as you guys are both happy in it, I think that that's yeah. like the main thing. I am thing. a flirt. She knows this. I'm very yeah. open about that. I go out and I, I flirt with people and she's like, I'm just naturally very flirty, I think. And that's yeah. just kind of where it stops. It's just fun. Is that a toxic trait? Actually? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> no. no. Oh, only if you're doing it in a way that's like, see, uh, if you're talking about it on the podcast and I think it's okay if you were just like secretly going around flirting with everyone and she had no idea, then maybe that would be. Yeah. yeah. You saw me at FranCon. I'm very just like, hey. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's hard not to be flirty when you're getting your, uh, your FranCon on. When you're surrounded by all these dykes and blazers. Are you blazers. kidding me? Yeah. <laughs> a lot of blazers. I know. I saw the pictures from that. I was like, wait, this looks like a really good time. Like, I- <laughs> yeah. a lot of cuties. Yeah. I feel like that's something we'll tackle right away. Probably. <laughs> if and when we do couples therapy. 
Yeah, well, I mean, I, I don't think really that, like... Really abandonment issues. <laughs> <laughs> not you being a flirt and flirting with all the blazer women. Not that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think couples therapy is good probably for all relationships, but, like, I also think, like, yeah. what Carolyn said, if everything's going well, it's, like, kind of just becomes, like, a waste of time, I think. I think that, yeah. you know, only if it's helpful. And, and and I think for me, it has been helpful, but it is, it can be like really tiring and it can be really just like, I don't know, you have to like do so much self-reflection and you already do that in your own therapy. So then you have to do your own therapy and then you have to do couples therapy. So there's just so much like right. inward self-reflection. And then by the end of it, you're like, I guess I'm just like a piece of shit. Like, <laughs> 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 Like, I guess that's my thing is like being a piece of shit, but you know, it's fine. <laughs> How do you feel about going to bed angry? Are you, for both of you, are you people who are like, never go to bed angry? Or is it yeah. sometimes like, I don't want to argue until 4am. Oh, no. I'm like, we fight till dawn. <laughs> <laughs> no, Melody, no. <laughs> I think I'm more like you. I think I'm like you in that way. I think I'm like, I want to keep the fight going. But I think that I realize that it like just becomes insane then, you know, like it goes, yeah. it gets so, and then you're like sleep deprived and you're just like fighting and talking and crying. And it's just like, ugh, it's horrible. Right. It's horrible. I don't know if I read it, if it was in the ethical slut or not, where they say sometimes it's okay to go to bed angry because Cecilia is yeah. very much a like do not go to bed angry we always make sure when we go to bed but then I feel like there are some times where I'm like we're exhausted and I feel like it's not a good time to be trying to solve this right now and then we're both going to be cranky the next day like let's just call it a night and resume later like exactly. get some nourishment get some sleep yeah. brain yeah. fuel like yeah I I am someone who needs to fight until it's resolved, but actually like, it's just for some people, especially with their mental health, that's not an option. And I'm learning that through <laughs> Allie's therapist, who's like mm. <laughs> told her to tell me that like, she can't do that. And like, you know, right. she has like mood swings and she's bipolar. Like sometimes she needs to just be left alone to process and to come down and to like really, Right. gather her thoughts to be able to have a productive conversation and like we're just spinning wheels a lot of the time and I need to be better about letting her have that space yeah yeah no I I'm I'm similar to you I feel like I'm always like we gotta hash it out but then I can just see that it's making the situation worse and I can see that like my girlfriend's getting more and more upset and then she's becoming like more aggressive towards me and then I'm and it just becomes like worse and worse you know you you keep trying to fix it and by trying to fix it you're actually yeah you can make it so much worse actually yeah, <laughs> yeah. you're From like oh now past you're, experience right and you're like we should have <laughs> just gone to sleep like we shouldn't have like because then I found if you like walk away from it and then like even only for like half an hour or whatever and then you come back it's usually so much better like if you like walk away instead of push it like white knuckling your way through a conversation you know you just keep working right. yourself up and like finding more little things to fixate on and you can like just cause a web of fights exactly <laughs> fight. exactly I mean, that's another great thing I'll say for the ethical slut is that listening it, to it together, actually, I feel like it's a form of couples therapy in itself because it has exercises. Like even if you're 
going to stay monogamous, it talks about different feelings of insecurity or jealousy or not getting your needs met that can come up. And how do you talk about them? And how do you get through them? And what do you do when there is conflict? And how do you practice, you know, having one person talk uninterrupted for a certain amount of time, and then walking away for 10 minutes and then getting back together and having the like some healthy, productive tactics for for doing these things and also just some like general sharing exercises. So I I'm a convert. I can't recommend it enough um, just in terms of yeah, learning how to be better at arguing or. <laughs> yeah, I love that book. Actually, James Tyson, yeah. James Tyson was the one, they were the one who yes. did recommend it to me. <laughs> I love All it. All right. Yeah. 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 It's my favorite. James Tyson. That's a comedian, like non-binary comedian. Yeah. 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 yeah oh yeah. yeah. Allie was just on a show them. with them. They're really, yeah. really yeah. funny. And I've, and I've heard yes. great things. We became friends immediately because we were like doing an open mic together, like four or five years ago. And we were, um, talking, I was talking on stage about polyamory and how it's basically just like, you know, like people who go to the Renaissance festival. And then me and James were like, Oh yeah, that is what it is. Like, <laughs> it is. Oh my gosh. They bring up the Ren fair so much in the ethical slut. What? And now, yeah. And now we live by the Ren fair. We live like oh. the town over from the New York. Oh my Ren God. Fair. I thought you meant live by like as a code. <laughs> No, we Conduct. live by of the Ren Fair. I have a course in honor. <laughs> Sorry. In private code. We got you. I know where you live then. Not to be creepy, but I know where it is. It's like, yes, and it's like yes. so weird. You drive by there and there's like all the like old timey like houses in the forest. You're like, what the fuck is this? Like, what is this land? <laughs> like- we still have never been, but it's when they talk about like where to find uh, other poly people, they're like, go to the Ren fair. It's all polyamorous. People. And I was like, wait, what? <laughs> Dude, it is. It's like people who love anime and people who love the Ren fest and people who are polyamorous. It's like, that's all just one thing, you know, Yeah, <laughs> people who like to people who like to um, play different roles and they like role play type things and they like going to cons Mm. and dressing up and being different characters and stuff tend to be more open to multiple relationships or uh yeah connecting outside of their marriage that's so funny yeah and that was how me and james became best friends because they were like yes and then they gave me they were like take this copy of the ethical slut and i was like i learned i learned i feel like we were on a show together at that uh, that gay bar that was on the Upper West Side that has karaoke. It's called Sweet. It's like a, the most yes. random place. It's like these yeah. old gay men. We did like a daytime comedy yes. show there. Oh. Yeah, yeah. I remember that. That <laughs> yeah. three of us were on that. <laughs> yeah, it's it's such a funny. I actually love doing that show. It's like four p.m. on a Sunday, and it's like three old gay men. Mm-hmm. Are the are your audience? I love it. I, I yeah. probably it's, doesn't exist anymore. I feel like the pandemic took it out, right? Like I, I don't, don't know how it survived. <laughs> it was 
great though. It would be like, there'd be like music videos playing behind you. It is crazy. A disco ball. Yeah. Yeah. New York city comedy really like, I feel like when you start in a different scene and then, and you guys, I'm sure, or no, I'm sorry. I don't know. Carolyn, did you start in a different scene or did you start in New York? No, no, I started in New York. Yeah. Oh, okay. So if you, okay, yeah. you, you've been thrown right into like the fire then if you started yeah. in New York, but if you started in a different scene, you can like very easily get this sense of self. Like, Oh, I'm like the feature at the club. I'm like, <laughs> you yeah. know, but then you move to New York and you're just like knocked down so hard. Cause you're just like, I'm doing a show. There's like two people here. There's like yeah, fully right. the TV is on behind me. And like, I like that about New York because then you see someone go up and you're like, Oh wow, this person was just on Conan. And you're like, and here we all are together. And it's like kind right. of like an equalizer in a horrible way. you know? Yeah. Um, I'm like, a, yeah. Horrible. <laughs> I don't know. I'm like, this sounds like my hell actually. Um, <laughs> this show you're describing. It is a hell. No, it's a hell, but it humbles you. Yeah. Literally like in a thrift shop with Colin Jost. Yeah. Like, why? What are you doing here, Colin? Yeah. You, I was, that's like what you're Steve married was. to Scarjo. You don't need to be in this thrift store. Exactly. Going through your notebook. Yeah. Wow. And you're like, what the fuck? Like, it's so bizarre too. Cause that's like what the sweet show was. It would like, you, I'd like, when I first moved to New York, I did that show and there were people on it who I was like, oh, these people have like big credits. These people, you know, people yeah. that when I was in Rochester, people would be like, ooh, la la. But then it, we were all just <laughs> fucking there. And it's like, it is horrible. I'm not trying to say it's a good thing, but I'm just saying it's like yeah. kind of fun because you're like, wow, we're all in this together. Yeah, <laughs> right. Do you think that comedians are probably more likely to need couples therapy to help their partners understand? Uh, unless you're dating another comedian, Melody. Uh, <laughs> That's its own. That must bring about its own kind of issues, though. Dating yeah, I feel comic. like if we got couples therapy, we would like put a lot of our relationship issues and like tackle like our issues as comedians dating each other because we do have right. a lot. Like I can't perform sure. in front of Allie anymore really? like or I used to open for her a feature for her like she's been doing it longer she's a lot stronger of a stand-up and I it would like psych me out I'd get in my head I've talked to other comedian couples about this too and it's it's a thing yeah and she's like well I'd love to like be go to your show can you please can we get in therapy can you get a therapist and talk about this like right I, I mean I and I bomb like a lot of the time when I'm on a show with Allie like it's something very weird happens where I'm so in my head about her seeing me even though she should be the last person I'm worried about judging me yeah it's very strange right. and you guys have been together for a little while right like haven't you been yeah like five you? five almost five and a half years um, yeah. yeah but when we started she was on her way out out of the Chicago comedy scene and I like we were long distance for a year and a half and then I didn't realize it was an issue for at least the first two years of our relationship until I moved here and we're actually in a comedy scene together yeah that makes sense but I I've never had like a relationship with a comic so I don't really know but I could see that being really because there's so much competition and like I would I think I would get in my head about it too Oh, yeah. There were some some things because like I was starting to come up in Chicago and then she had moved here. And like you said, it knocks you down a few pegs and she was struggling and trying to like rebuild. Meanwhile, I'm like getting Comedy Central auditions and showcases in Chicago. And she yeah. really struggled with that, which blew my mind because I'm like, you have TV credits. Like I yeah. just got an audition. Like it's just so everything's competitive no matter where you are. Yeah. In your comedy career. There's so few chances. 
Yeah. You know? I think I, I honestly don't know if I could date another comic. It just seems like I know that there are comics, obviously in relationships, you guys have been together for a while and it's like you are in love, but it just, to me, it feels very like overwhelming. <laughs> like I It guess. is a mind fuck. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I feel like it'd be stressful. Well, I know for, and I don't know if you experienced this with Colleen or, or with your ex, but with, Cecilia sometimes because she does support me in a way like she does the art for diking out and when she comes to an event she'll be like oh I'll work the social media or something like that and it's hard sometimes to for her to know when am I working and when I'm I'm not working so just for example we went to FranCon and she's like are you here in work mode or are we just here to I'm like no no we're just here to enjoy but yeah, I will be talking about it on the podcast. Like, yes, there's probably a lot of queer people here. Yes, uh, there are listeners who recognize me and are like, oh, you're from Diking Out. And then all of a sudden I'm, you know, the co-host of Diking mm-hmm. Out again. And the lines are so blurred and it can be very confusing for her. Like when we were at Girls in Wonderland and we get to the pool party and I'm like, OK, cool. Before we jump in the pool, I'm just going to like make the rounds and be networking and talking to listeners. And I've got my Diking. And she's like, wait, what? Yeah. Like, this is my first day at the at the pool party. I thought we're we're partying. I'm like, well, we will. But and that's like a very tough thing. Do you struggle with that? Yeah, definitely. I think, you know, I think with um with Phil when I was married, it, it was he and I were already together before I started comedy. So I think that he like, and then he also is like a videographer and does um, a lot of podcast editing. So he's like very in the community. So I think he got it a little bit more because he was like in it. Um, not as a comic, but in it. And with Colleen, she's just is like, so works in like completely different field, like has no like connection to it at all. And I do feel like there is this weirdness. Like I remember when we first started seeing each other and she came to a show, then I think she was like really disappointed because I had invited her to the show. I thought she would like it. Like I was kind of trying to be like, Ooh, like, you know, trying to impress her or whatever. And it didn't go very well because she was like, you didn't actually hang out with me at all. You just like hung out with the other comics and I was sitting alone. And then we like got on the train and you like went home. We like didn't hang out. <laughs> and I was like, oh my bad. Like I wasn't really thinking about, you know, you don't think you're just like, oh, she's Same. gonna be impressed with like how funny I am. And I'm doing this cool right, club right. show and with somebody, you know, with like Gary Gullman, she's like, she doesn't give a shit. Like she doesn't oh. care. <laughs> Love him. I know. And to me, I was like, Gary Gullman, but you know, to, she doesn't care. And it doesn't like mean anything to her really. So it was just I think that I completely understand what you're saying. I think sometimes Sometimes you, it's hard because you want your partner to come to shows or to things like that. But then yeah, it's nice when they're being supportive. Yeah. But, then, but it's also like, but I'm focused on other things. Too. Like I'm working. And they're so yeah. left out, yeah. you know, because you're like yeah. talking to all the other comics and you're doing all your like little networking or whatever you're doing. And they're just like completely left out. Um, although yeah. when, when I was at your guys, uh, one of your L word things, Cecilia was so great. And she, she seems, yeah. she seems pretty good at being like left out and still not getting like upset about it. It seemed like. Yes. Yeah. I, she's, she's used to it by now. And then for things when it's our events, when it's a, a diking out thing, she, you know, 
she has fun. She's doing her thing. It's also good. Like she's an artist. So if anything, she has her sketchbook with her. And if she's feeling like neglected, she'll just start drawing. Yeah. <laughs> and then she's back in her happy place. Good. So that's some good uh, coping mechanisms. But yeah. no, she does have fun going to the events and she loves being in queer spaces and she loves uh, watching me perform, which is all good. But then at a certain point, like I remember I was going to Emily Winter's um book premiere for um book premiere book release <laughs> for her book one day smarter mm-hmm. and cecilia was like well is this just going to be like you networking with comedians i'm like well it'll be me seeing comedians that are my friends and talking to my friends but also yeah maybe it'll be some net and she's like well i i don't know if i want to go yeah, you know? I wouldn't if I wasn't a comic. I mean, it's gross a lot of the time. To right. It is gross. But um, she met Emily at a wedding recently and really liked her and they had like great conversations. But then, yeah, she it, it's it's hard for partners of comedians, I think is what I'm saying. Yeah, and that, maybe that is one good thing about help. dating comedian. They get it. And they're out there being gross and networking, too. Um. Totally. Totally. I think, you know, there was one time where Colleen said something that was so jarring to me, but it, she was like, I was saying about a comedian, I described them as a friend and she was like, but are they really a friend or are they just one of those people you say as your friends because you guys want to like do each other's shows or whatever? And I was like... Real talk from Colleen. <laughs> no, I was like, what? And and I believe we'd only been dating for like six months or something. I was like, oh, you already like figured out the dynamic of this. Like, <laughs> yeah. oh, that part's like, obvious. But I, but it kind of hurt my feelings because I was like, no, this person is actually my friend. Like, I do have genuine friends in the scene, mm-hmm. but I do yeah. think that. I think that there's people that you're like, this person's my friend or there's comics like, like with you guys, I'm always like, oh, these guys are really cool. I want to like get to know them more. Or like when I first like, you know, when I first was in the queer scene, there's like people who I'd be like, I really want to make this person my friend. But then there's yeah. other people who you're kind of just like, I should be nice to them because I see them. But like, <laughs> right, right. you know, and it is a little gross because it's so disingenuous. So I kind of get why she was saying that. But like, yeah, damn, I was like, don't call me out like that. That's like hard. <laughs> pivoting back to couples therapy do you think that there's a stigma to it like when do you get nervous telling people like right now everybody's listening that you're in couples therapy and they're making assumptions people are gonna be like yeah they're gonna be like oh something's uh, wrong uh, you know yeah yeah definitely i i was nervous like with my one you know i have all these different like friend groups and my one friend group chat I was like texting them about it and they were like, Oh, well you guys have only been seeing each other like two years. Like, well, something must be really wrong. Well, like what, you know? And I was like, I don't know. Things have been wrong. Like things have gone really wrong. But I think that like, it's odd that people assume that by going to couples therapy, that something is really wrong because I think usually uh, for me, it's like, I would rather go before things become um, wrong to the point of no return And I think it's better to do that, right? Because then you're like, okay, I cut it off before it got to the point where we had to break up. I mean, it's a sign that at least one of you wants to make it work. Exactly. You know, (laughs) (laughs) which I think is is a good thing rather than just letting something self-destruct over time, maybe. But I, I remember when I went to couples therapy with my ex wife and happened to have referred a friend to a therapist in the same practice and we were all in the waiting room so they were in couples therapy we were in couples therapy 
We didn't realize the other was going to be there. It was kind of a weird time for for all of us. And we felt like we were in the principal's office. And it kind of like it helped break the tension a little bit because it can be awkward being in the waiting room for therapy and then you see other people and you're like, oh, I wonder, you know, how fucked up they are. (laughs) (laughs) I feel like that would be a really weird moment, though. You know, like, even though you know it's not a bad thing to go, it's still just like, oh, okay, we're all here together. Well, you always see, like, media representation, they only ever go to couples therapy when something's wrong. Like, you never see it on TV. Like, that's never written into a storyline that like, yeah, this is this couple and they go just to maintain a very healthy relationship. <laughs> like we don't really see that. Yeah. Yeah. No, you're, you're right. I, I feel like for this situation, this time around, it was like, I think it was like, we both felt that our relationship had been like really good. And then there were all these things that some of it was our doing a hundred percent, but like a lot of it was just like things that happened to us, like things that like health wise or like work wise pandemic, stuff like that. Right. And I don't know. I don't want to say that like we wouldn't have problems were it not for that, but I think it was like a lot of outside factors. So it's like, all right, let's go and talk about these things that have, you know, and I, and I also, to be honest with you, like any couple that like went through the pandemic and didn't get like fucked up or any person that didn't get like fucked up by the pandemic. I am very wary of that because I'm like, didn't, isn't this traumatic? Like, aren't we all traumatized? You know? Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, and we had COVID at the, at the same time because we were messaging all during that. And it was kind of comforting to know people who are on the same timeline and do symptoms check-ins yes. but it was scary that was a scary time to have it it was really scary because we both had it so early and it was like yeah it was just horrible that was horrible yeah. and and the isolation was horrible and you know just the the whole thing it was just I don't know it was terrible so yeah. in terms of the timing of your separation then from your husband how mm-hmm. did that line up with the pandemic it was like, it was like right at the beginning of the pandemic so it was like, okay, not great, you know, just not. Yeah. <laughs> but I also think that it was one of those things where even though he and I had been like very happily married, I had like had in my mind this issue of sexuality for so long and had kind of been so, so busy with work and comedy that I was just like, I'll just deal with that at another time, you know, like <laughs> we'll think about that later. And then it was a pandemic and I like had COVID. I didn't have a job. I didn't have shows. And within like two weeks, I was like, Oh, I really have to, to talk to him about this because you know, obviously it just yeah. gave you a lot of time to think and, and be aware of yourself. You can't distract yourself from your problems anymore. You don't have the same excuses to to put them off, right? <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. How was it being with Colleen while you were going through a divorce? Because that's like such a Ooh, yeah. Stressful thing. I think, yeah, I think that that was probably like the start of like issues because it was like such a change of being in a polyamorous thing to being like, hey, I'm separating from this person and now I would like to be with you primarily, like as my main person. And I tried to be very honest and be like, and if you don't want to do that, like, that's totally fine. Like, I know this isn't your original thing that you signed up for. It's totally fine. Was she seeing other people? No, not really. She wasn't really. And also she was kind of just 
Um, she went back to stay with her parents and I think that she was just kind of like going, you know, just having a like mental breakdown because it was the beginning of the pandemic. So I think it was just like, I don't think she would have even had like the mental energy to like talk to other people or like go on the apps or whatever. Oh yeah. So it was really hard. And then I think I fell for a couple months into this thing of, um, wanting like really high levels of commitment from her but I don't think that I wanted them for like genuine reasons I think I wanted them because I was so used to being married and I perhaps like felt like I couldn't function without somebody being really committed to me somebody being my life partner so then like later oh I'm triggered I know sorry (laughs) sorry (laughs) Sorry. I know that's that's good that's good I, and, and we all I know my story. <laughs> I don't want to be like that. I, I don't want to be yeah. like this codependent person. And, and that wasn't what I wanted. But I found myself being like, oh, like you have to commit to me. We have to be serious. And then I right. was like, am I doing this because I really love her and want to be committed? Or am I doing it because I'm afraid of the prospect of being alone? So then I think what was good was actually that we did have the long distance. And we still technically have long distance, even though we like are together a lot, like semi you know, she'll stay for long periods of time, but we, I stayed with my family for a while as well. And we were pretty long distance. And I think that that was good because it was, uh, I couldn't force the commitment. I couldn't make any like rash decisions. I couldn't be like, move in with me. You know, I was like, I'm staying with my parents. I can't, you can't move in with me, you know, automatic boundaries. Yeah. What do your parents know about everything that's going on? Like, do they, they know, they actually know know everything. everything. They're pretty like, they're pretty cool. You know, they're like pretty, cool. they were kind of confused by it, but they're pretty cool with everything. <laughs> Just confused. But yeah. <laughs> yeah. I remember when Cecilia and I got together and it was like the paperwork and stuff from our divorces haven't like mine had been submitted, but not finalized. Her and her partner had broken up, but they hadn't even like filed yet. And it felt really weird wanting to be supportive but also being like this is none of my business or like trying not exactly to get involved and so like that's kind of a big thing at, uh to deal with you know early on in a relationship is like oh you know normally that's a time when like your friends and your family are being so supportive mm-hmm. of you when you're going through that but then your partner if you have one that's kind of a weird thing for them to have to be like supportive of because like Sure, they're in favor of it. Yeah, <laughs> of course. <laughs> but they can't be like too happy about it because <laughs> it's like a hard time emotionally, you know? It's a hard. Exactly. What I found was that like I think it would be really inappropriate for me to like ever talk with her too much about it, like talk about the logistics of it too much or like if I felt right. like I was like falling into like talking shit about my husband, which I tried really hard to not do. But if I ever felt right. like I was doing that, I was like, well, that's kind of inappropriate. Like that's not that's like crossing right. a boundary. So but I get what you're saying. It's hard because it's like you want to talk. It's a huge part of your life getting divorced. Right. So it's like you want to talk about it, but it's just inappropriate, I think. And it's like weird a little bit. Right. That's what friends are for. Yeah. Yes. Yes, yes. <laughs> exactly. Friends and Talking therapy shit. and friends oh, yeah, therapy. Gotta, yeah. gotta get therapy. <laughs> you gotta go, Melody. You gotta go. I know. <laughs> no, you don't have to, but you should. No, I do I'm, think I everyone really should do. go. <laughs> oh yeah, I'm wrecked by the pandemic. Like I'm so traumatized. I'm my I'm hanging on by a thread. Like <laughs> yeah, barely. dude. 
But you know what? I'm very suspicious of people who aren't, like, in a way. I'm just like, how Me are too. you... You know, like when you see comics and they're like, everything's great. Well, I guess not everyone has depression. Like Carolyn, sometimes I just don't even understand how you're like, remember you got depressed once over the pandemic, not once, but like you were like, remember you were just like, I I was depressed a few days ago and I just don't know how you do. It. Yeah, no, I, you know, I, like, I wow, experienced, imagine. right. I'd gone my whole life with like, I had one small episode of depression when I was going through a lot of um, health problems as a teen. But besides that, I wouldn't say that I've been what I would consider depressed until the pandemic. And even then it was a good like at least eight months in before it hit me. And then I started, I I've had like a few episodes where I just went to like a really dark place and I wasn't used to it. And it made me, and I just kept thinking, is this how melody feels constantly every day? (laughs) Um, And it was blowing my mind because I found it so hard to, to function within those times. And granted I'm not on like any kind of um, medication. So yeah, it was just, wow. Yeah, you were blowing my mind explaining how you've like how just like what a difference it is. Yeah, yeah. like this yeah. new feeling, which is something I yeah. Yeah, you seemed relatively well adjusted aside from that though. You're like, "Let's write a pilot. Let's do this." I'm crying <laughs> on Zoom. Like <laughs> Let's yeah. write a book. Yeah. yeah. Oh my god, remember, remember that? The book. You're yeah, you're like, Carolyn, me. just to be honest, um I don't think I'm in a place where I can just write a book right now. I'm like, "All right." All right too much <laughs> i wake up crying um maybe next year yep yep <laughs> yeah i yeah. do think i mean i think it was just so difficult to get through that like it did make people like i my husband also suffered from like a major depressive disorder and it was i was like oh this is just how you feel like all the time and now i feel mm-hmm. and it's and it does make you i guess more empathetic to it because you're like i understand why you uh, have trouble finding a job or getting out of bed because this is really tiring so yeah <laughs> that's why i have trouble finding a therapist i'm like too depressed to like just to take that on exactly. it feels like a huge undertaking exactly like, like dating around with like finding the right match it's like very overwhelming yeah no yeah yeah, that makes sense because it's like usually people who really need therapy people who are struggling with like you know um anxiety or depression something like that finding the therapist is like too hard like doing the work to doing small tasks even if they're small is like too much so it's like it's just like a a cycle um so yeah so I'm sorry I wish I wish someone else could do it for you I I know but it's all on me it's rough I know I also feel like therapy is part of what made me depressed like that you know like digging into your repressed issues I think I'd repress stuff so so hard over the years it formed like a, a diamond of of pain and horrible feelings and my therapist like minded out of me and then all of a sudden there's like this shiny thing of my feelings reflected back on me and I'm like oh no this is dark yeah this is bad. yeah you're like, uh, <laughs> and, but like I'm better for it but but that's another thing with therapy too and especially like couples therapy sometimes you go into therapy thinking you're there to talk about one thing 
and then uh, surprise, motherfucker! Yeah. It's like this is this issue that you both have been lying to yourselves about, and we're gonna bring it to the surface. And will this break you? You know? Yeah. And then it's like some horrible revelation. Like there was one time where we were in couples therapy, like a month or two ago, where things had things had just gone so south for us, and it was going so bad. And there was something that had happened, and like it was something that we like are getting over, and it's okay now. But it was something that had happened, and I basically we like went to therapy, and I was like, I don't know if I can like get over this. Like I don't know if I don't know if we can continue on in our relationship after this. And it clearly came as like a huge shock to my girlfriend. She was like, Wait, what? Like I thought that we were. <laughs> she was like so upset, and I was like, Oh, I should have like prepped you. I shouldn't have just been like, Hey, we're gonna break up. Like. But that happens sometimes because you start talking and then all of a sudden you're like, wow, I'm more upset about this than I realized. But do you prep? Like, do people prep like going into a session or are you supposed to just like... I don't think so. Save it all? Like, how does that work? Are you just like, hey, heads up, I'm going to be dropping <laughs> a little bomb about this like, uh, <laughs> no, 3 p.m. later today. That'd be weird, right? That is also I don't some know. of anxiety. You don't want to put that on them. Like, I'm going to drop yeah. a huge bomb on you. Like, yeah. But yeah. it does feel kind of bad to, like, not... I usually write notes of what I'm going to talk about, but I don't usually say it with a person. I don't know what other couples do. I'd be curious yeah. if people... Like, have you, like, Carolyn, when you went, did you guys, like, discuss what you were going to talk about, or was it not really? Um, the most recent, yeah, I guess every time there was kind of uh, a thing we knew, like, the first time I went with my ex, it was about the cheating, and then the second time it was like, you know, our, our marriage is broken, and then with Cecilia, there were a couple things that, it was like a a pattern of the same um, argument that we would, that would come up like once a month or something. And we're like, there is a miscommunication here and there is like a trigger and we can't seem to figure it out to break it. So we went in with like that mindset. Mm. Yeah. That's good that you guys are, that you were both on the same page about things. I think that that helps a lot. Yeah, but because we only went to two sessions and then the pandemic happened, like, I don't know what would have come out had we kept going. It's also weird because, like, individual therapy feels like such a safe space where even though therapy, couples therapy, like, it should be a safe space, but you're obviously being, like, very guarded about the way you're saying things because you don't want to start a fight in therapy. That's another thing. Like, you might say something in therapy because you're feeling like, oh, yeah, we're just talking about our feelings. And then you've created this whole other problem because of of therapy. I mean, I genuinely think that therapy is a good and a positive thing, but I do think that couples therapy can be scary territory. Um, and with that, you have to go to couples therapy. Soon, so I don't, <laughs> oh my, I don't do you literally have time. your appointment is that, is in it, eight minutes? What time is it? <laughs> no, it's okay. It's good. It's not till four 30. We're good. I just, okay. <laughs> I just want to have right. a buffer. I just want to have a buffer of yeah, time. Of so course. it was like, right, right. We need to give you time to adjust. That's so so it's not like, cause then can you imagine if I like go into it and I'm like doing bits or something, then it would be like, <laughs> Oh God kill myself uh, kill myself and then I have to stop making jokes about killing myself too that was another thing Kelly was like can you stop saying you're gonna kill yourself all the time and I was like I can't no yeah. <laughs> I, that's kind of my thing is saying I'm gonna kill myself so <laughs> but you yeah. guys are so awesome I I um was there anything else that you want to talk about <laughs> should we talk 
everything else are good. You know, we're all just broken humans uh, right. trying to get trying through this best. crazy thing called life. And um, yeah, I don't know. I, I think I think we nailed it. Uh, Madeline, where can people follow you on social media and find out when you're performing so they can come and see you be super funny on stage? Thank you. Um, my name is Madeline Smith. It's spelled weird. So I don't know. It's M-A-D-E-L-E-I-N. Smith is easy, but the Madeline is that part is hard. So you can find me on Instagram, on Twitter. It's Madeline Murphy. And um, my website is MadelineSmithComedy.com. And um, Sarah Garner and I actually have a podcast now called Cheer for queers, although we yes. been on like a sabbatical because my health was really bad and we were both having mental breakdowns, but we're coming back soon. So you guys both nice. have to All come right. on it. Yeah. Please come on it. Yes. You are making a blood pact right now that you'll come on it. So for sure. Yeah. <laughs> and um and I have an album called Bell of the Ball that's on Spotify and everywhere. Yes. So please listen yes. to it. Please yeah. listen. <laughs> Thank you Amazing. guys. Amazing. Love it. <laughs> So glad we got to do this. Uh, you know, thank the goddess that Rosie agreed to do this first. So we could <laughs> finally, dude, finally that that was such a that was such a red letter up. day for you. I like told I was like, Colleen, this is a amazing day for them. Like I was really I was pumped up. And your your viewing parties at Henrietta's were so cool too. You got some really amazing yeah. guests. You you guys are killing it. I mean, the day we dropped the Rosie up was the same day I also started a new job. And then also uh, we got the email from Showtime saying that Leisha and Kate yeah, were coming to wow. the viewing party. <sighs> so it was like the most insane day of my life. Like, I love I just, that. I'm like, is this real? Is any of it real? That's um, amazing. But anyway, yes. Thank you for uh, not only being a guest of the pod, but a listener. We love it. Yeah. yeah. We love to see it. Thank you guys so much for having me. I really appreciate it. Melody, did you sign up for therapy yet? I know it's only been an hour since our conversation. <laughs> Absolutely not. You got to do back it. in two months. Oh, boy. All right. <laughs> well, then let's give someone else some um, unlicensed I know who's going to want my advice. advice after they hear about how I've been so negligent about my own mental health. But here we go. Um, this week's listener question. I'm by pan with a preference for basically anyone but cis men feel you. I have not had any kind of feelings for a cis man in quite a while, but there's a cis man that I work with that I'm developing all kinds of feelings for. I'm talking major crush status. I can't even stay focused when I'm around him. I've been daydreaming about him frequently, which makes it even worse. I have no idea how to navigate having feelings for a coworker like this. There have been a few moments where it seems like he may have feelings for me as well, but I could just be reading too much into it. I have no clue how to navigate this situation, and I need help. Well, you know a little bit about navigating feelings for a coworker, and I know a little bit about navigating lusting for cis men <laughs> yeah so <laughs> let's put our heads together um <laughs> yeah I I like this one because it's 
it's like uh, I feel like maybe knowing that we are the co-hosts of Diking Out, they're very adamant about like, listen, I would never consider like if a cis man was dying on the side of the road, I would keep driving. Uh, I would yeah. rob him and donate the money to the Trevor Project. Like, <laughs> no, I hate cis men. But the, it's like, it's OK. Cis men lo- need love, too. It's the one thing that's keeping them from shooting everything up. They need love. Show them love. (laughs) Keep our (laughs) space is safe. (laughs) Yeah. uh, Yeah. It's okay. I hope you're not. Yeah. I hope you're just playing all that up because you're writing into diking out and we're not going to have to address some (laughs) internalized biphobia. Yes. It's okay. Yeah. To be bi pan. Yeah. And uh, be attractive to men. That's the whole point of having that identity. Yeah. If you have those feelings for someone, it's the whole. Yeah, exactly. The whole point is that it's based on the person and it doesn't have to do with their their genitals or how they identify or how they feel. And it's you're just there for the person. And that's great. And this person happens to be a, a cis man. And that's there's no shame in that as long as, you know, he's not a terrible person. Right. Yeah. So how. Do we navigate the coworker part? Yeah, the coworker part. That's a little bit more tricky. And as someone that has, uh, you know, married a coworker, uh, dated past coworkers, it can be. I would say it's generally not a great idea. But then also, I know so many married people who met at work. So I would say, if you're going to, if it's somebody who is like on your team that you work directly with maybe think about it before embarking on something, you know, maybe you two become better friends. Maybe you talk about it first. It would be something that you'd want to be clear on. I mean, you're not sure if he has feelings for you. Just be patient. Maybe. I don't know. Ooh, I'm really bad at giving advice about this because I just know I would hate to be like, you know, Go for it. Love only comes along once in a while. And when and you're, then you're sitting it, in HR. <laughs> right, right. Like, you know, it's employment in this country, especially when it's tied to health insurance, is kind of a big deal. It's kind yep. of an important thing. So you don't want to put yourself in a situation uh, that could make it uncomfortable for you to have to go to work. And it really, I think it all depends on the person and the situation. You know, when I decided to uh, hook up with Cecilia, like I wasn't making great decisions. Um, I do think that that was a great decision. But at the time, I was just kind of like, fuck it. I'm going through this time. And uh, whatever, this is just going to be like a rebound and we're both adults and we can both understand what's going on and neither of us like, we'll figure it out. I'll deal with it later. I was I was being like a little bit chaotic in my decision making. Yeah. Had that not been the case, I probably would have recommended against it to myself. <laughs> hey, but it worked out for me. So um, follow your heart. Is that helpful? Is that unhelpful? <laughs> At yeah. least we helped with the internalized biphobia, right? Well, I mean, we said <laughs> one valid thing. Um, right. <laughs> uh, but yeah, what just... Do you think? I don't even know if people work physically. Or I guess th- in this case, they do. Like, uh, this office seems to be opened up post-COVID. Right, right. Which makes me think there might be a holiday party. Oh, which is no. when <laughs> a lot of office sexual tension comes bubbling to the surface. 
That's true. That's and that's true. when you can usually tell. Like if you can't tell now in your interactions, if I mean I don't know if you're Melody, someone who drinks what. This is the best bad advice. This is really good because that's a time where you can uh, do something at the holiday party and then be like, oopsie, like if it doesn't go well. Yes. Okay. Carolyn and be like, and I, Ugh. we've been discussing because I truly don't think I give good advice. I never, when you asked me to be co-host, I was like, yeah, totally. <laughs> I am up for everything and sort of downplayed that part. Um, <laughs> I'm not a good advice giver. I thought maybe we could do like a good cop, bad cop, like a uh, Carolyn gives good advice. I give bad advice. Moving but, forward. But this time your bad advice is the good advice. Yeah. I mean, it's it's we'll see how this goes. We'll um, see how it plays out. I think that is good, bad advice. That's good, bad advice. Yeah. There's bad, good advice and good, bad advice. And I'll be addition all sorts of combinations moving forward. And I think wait, um, until the holiday parties, that's only like a month, month and a half away. Right. That's, some companies do it the first week of December. So I I think that that is as good as this advice is going to get. So if you have a question for us and you want some uh, questionable, maybe sensible, maybe joke advice, we have it all. It's a it's a potpourri of. Yeah. Maybe uh, you can advances. also like add a caveat with like, no, I really need serious advice when you write right. it. <laughs> and this one was from a patron. So their question went to the top of the list as always. But you can email us at dykingout at gmail.com. That's the best place. Sometimes people DM us advice at Instagram at dykingout where you should be following us. But the way to really make sure that you get your question answered is to email dykingout at gmail.com put listener questions somewhere in the subject line also cries for help in the subject line are always entertaining yeah and yeah uh we can't wait to read them we need to to stock up uh follow us as i mentioned at diking out at diking out podcast on tiktok uh at Diking Out on Twitter. We're all over the place. I'm at TGI Carolyn. I'm at Melody Kamali. Thank you so much for diking out with us this week. We love you. See you next Tuesday. Hey there, it's Rachel Ballinger, and I am extremely excited to invite you to Rachel Uncensored. It's my podcast where I sit down and get real with my friends and celebrity guests where we talk about all sorts of topics, and sometimes we might be under the influence when we do so. We cover things from personal stories to hot-button issues, and it's the only place on the internet you can find an uncensored version of me. It's a side of me that you might not have seen before because it's not the most family or brand friendly. But don't worry, I'm still sort of slightly a decent human being. If you're intrigued, then make sure you check it out. New episodes drop every Wednesday. You can find it on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Trust me, you won't want to miss out on the fun and candid conversations we have here on Rachel Uncensored.